When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. podcast one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host Meredith Hine and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host Megan Hustline. Hey Meredith, super happy that college basketball is back. Can't wait to talk about that with you today. Well, I'm a little anxious because we are actually recording on Tuesday night while Ohio State is in the midst of its game with Akron and things are not as easy as I would have hoped for in the Buckeyes opener. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it'd be like a good 40-point blowout, but they're only up by like five right now, which is slightly concerning, but it's only the first game of the season, so let's, let's try not to overreact here. Yeah, and you know, there's a big difference between playing like a MAC team and playing some of the much, much smaller basketball conference teams, right? Like, at least the MAC is in the group of five, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Akron's a legit team, for sure. They're they're a big threat. Let's just tell ourselves that so we don't freak out, but it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, a win's a win. Yeah, and basketball is a long season. Speaking of which, um, Ohio State does have some exciting non-conference games this year. Uh, Megan, I don't know about you. The one that I have circled is November 30th against Duke. Um, So always an exciting game to play a historic program like that. Um, And, uh, you know, Duke playing without Mike Krzyzewski on the sidelines for the first time. Right. I mean, that's going to be 
very interesting to see how Duke is this season. Again, they're a historically great program, so I'm sure they'll be fine, but I'm curious to see how they are, and especially for November 30th, that's going to be so fun. I wish I could go to the game, but tickets are literally already sold out, so I'll be watching on a TV, but hey, I'm super excited. This is going to be a great game. I also lied to you, so John Shire is actually taking over in 2022 for Duke. Oh, so we so, get one more season with one, Coach K. One last shot to, to beat Coach K. Okay, that makes it even better, honestly. It really oh. does. Also, can we talk about the incredible organization of the like general Duke Athletic Department for like having this very undramatic coaching change and like a year to transition from this regime? It's not typical, I feel like. Like, when you have a legend like Coach K finally retiring, like, okay, yeah, we're just letting this other guy step in. Like, you think they'd make it kind of major, which obviously the announcement was, but, like, ever since then, I feel like it's just been, I mean, here I was. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the announcement. Obviously, Coach K's gone. It's like, nope, he's actually giving this person a year. But I mean, when you've been at the helm for as long as he has, uh, you know, you probably need that time to move on. Right. I mean, he should definitely get a nice farewell tour. I'm sure that I think it's nice that he gets the whole season to just kind of take it in and not it's not just like an end of the season like oh yeah that's it like I hope he really gets to enjoy this last season hopefully Duke is pretty good maybe not against us but I hope that he does get one last good season with them oh for sure and you know such a such a storied career um the Blue Devils are actually opening their season tonight uh, as the number nine team in the country against number 10 Kentucky uh and then uh Duke will actually face Coach K's alma mater and previous head coaching role, uh, Army, on Friday. So that will be exciting for them. Oh, for sure. And to go back to your point about Kentucky, they're part of the four teams that are playing in the Champions Classic to open the college basketball season, which is amazing. The other two teams are Michigan State and Kansas. So I think that's just a really cool way to open the season with some of the best programs in college basketball all playing the same place. They're playing at Madison Square Garden. So I think that's a great way to open the season. Oh, for sure. And, you know, just while we're on the topic, like the benefits of such a lengthy college basketball season and being allowed to play a tough schedule and being allowed even to have the grace of losing a game or two, like it just allows the whole season to be so incredibly exciting. You can never have a tournament or a round robin like this in college football. Oh, no. Season's way too short. It makes it just makes it for a more exciting season and maybe a less stressful season for the fans. I mean, let's think about the fans here, because literally every single week in college football, we're biting our nails because one loss, you're done. But college basketball, most likely you're not going to go undefeated. I mean, that'd be nice, but a loss here and there, that's okay. So it definitely makes it more exciting because then you get to play in better matchups too. So it's it's different from college football, but pros and cons, I guess. Pros and cons. For sure. Um, and then going back to the radical stability we see with Duke and its coaching changes, um, 
And moving on to a radical instability that we're seeing in college football with its mid-season coaching carousel. Megan, already nine coaches have been fired this year. Two coaches have been rehired at Georgia Southern and Texas Tech. Um, Really just a fascinating turn of how all of these things are happening. Uh, And a good four coaches are gone from Nebraska. So... And yet Scott Frost kept his job. What the heck? Right. Yeah. Okay. I just, I really think that's interesting in the middle of the season right now to do all that. And then you keep your head coach, which is just a totally different topic. But I'm, I'm confused mainly with Nebraska because they have had like one of the toughest schedules, I think, out of any team in the country. And they're playing well. It's not like they're getting destroyed every game. They're playing well. So... I'm a little bit confused why they just let four of their coaches go. I guess they just want a total overhaul. But, I mean, I don't see any team really doing great with that kind of schedule. So definitely an interesting move there over in Nebraska. Yeah, um, I completely agree with you. Nebraska is sitting at seventh dead last in the Big Ten West. Uh, I'm sure that played a factor. But to that point, why is Scott Frost still around? Um, he already has had some violations uh, with the NCAA that are still under investigation. But it's just really fascinating that uh, Nebraska has been a disappointment in the last few seasons. Uh, and even with a challenging schedule, this year really hasn't been any different. Because um, at the end of the day, you should be able to win a close game, right? And we had that really sloppy and embarrassing season opener in week zero uh, to Illinois. Um, And, you know, it looked like they might be finding their rhythm, but that was against schools like Fordham and Buffalo. Uh, And then Nebraska has lost um, all but one of their remaining games, beating Northwestern 56 to seven. Um, but yeah, we we shall see if these coaching changes can continue at the end of the season for Nebraska um, and if Scott Frost is able to keep his job, even though they did just restructure his contract. Yeah, this definitely should be more on him than anyone else. It's it's just very I don't know what their thought process is like. I don't know. Like the, Nebraska does have a lot of potential. Adrian Martinez had a great freshman season. And he's kind of gone downhill from there. But he definitely is a good quarterback. I think they have a good team. And so that's on the coach if they're not performing up to that potential, the head coach. So definitely an interesting move. We'll see if he stays. It's sounding like they like him and they'll, they're will they extending him. But, yeah, I guess we'll see at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, it like as much as it feels like Frost might be out after this season, it would be odd you know, speaking as someone who does not work at an athletic department for a college football program, um, it does feel like it would be odd to restructure a contract and then uh, ultimately fire that coach at the end of the season. But um, we shall see. Uh, In terms of that game uh, that Scott Frost and the Huskers played last week, we did see another win for Ohio State. It was narrow. It was terrifying. Megan, tell me your thoughts. 
there's just there's a lot of things that we could talk about. But first off, our defense and Noah Ruggles literally won that game for us. Noah Ruggles was the MVP of that game. But our offensive line is kind of stressing me out. I'm not going to lie. I This is the second game in a row where they have just been beaten down by the opposing team's defense. Uh, and it's affecting our run game, too. Travion Henderson only had 92 yards, which is concerning. And he didn't have the best game against Penn State either. So I don't know if this is other teams finally figuring him out or if it's on the O-line, maybe a little bit of both. But I think the O-line is really becoming a problem here, which is unfortunate because they're they're one of the best O-lines in the country. Like, that's just well-known. And suddenly they're falling apart. So I think that is probably the most major problem that really needs to be fixed going forward. Yeah, um, I'm going to be honest. I actually, this is the first game this year I did not get to watch. I was really sad and I was really Really? anxious because I was just checking in on the score. Um, But yeah, it was... It definitely felt like it was going to be a narrower game uh, based on what we saw against Penn State. Like you said, it feels like to a degree other teams are able to figure Ohio State out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, units that we did not expect or did not have to see earlier on in the season uh, are really stepping up. So you mentioned Noah Ruggles. Like, what a champ. Literally. Uh, yeah, uh, Ruggles, what was he, four for four on field goals on Saturday? Yeah, he won that game for us, no question. Literally. And, you know, earlier in the season, he, he's actually been perfect on field goals, I think, all year now. Um, and what's interesting is Ohio State came away with a nine-point win over Nebraska Saturday. Um, again, four, four field goals uh, definitely is that difference in the game. Um, but, you know, it's really great to see that he's been perfect not only – in games where we're winning by 40 points, but also games where his kicks are making the difference in that victory. Um, So once again, projecting, there's a lot of steps that have to happen before then. Uh, But in a game, say against Georgia, maybe in the college football playoff championship, um, where that field goal or that extra point can make a world of difference, um, helps to know we've got the kicker with ice in his veins. Oh, for sure. And we especially need a good kicker when our quarterback might be struggling a little bit. Stroud, early on, it was, oh, it was bad. I mean, he did not look good early on at all. He obviously got better, kept us in the game, but man, the beginning was not good. And again, refusing to run. And it's just, I, it's a problem. And a reporter finally asked him about it. And did you hear his quote, Meredith? My jaw dropped when I heard his response. I did not. He said, if my job was to run the ball, then I'd be a running back. But I throw the ball for a living. Oh, bless his heart. I was like, oh, CJ, that that does not sound good. And you got to use your legs a little bit, even if you are a passing quarterback like Oh, that one, that one was not good, but hey, it, it worked out. We got the win, but I feel like there definitely has to be some changes in that aspect of his game moving forward because, again, the run game is getting shut down, so people or the opposing team's defenses are just going to 
expect to pass every time. So if he can get his legs going and maybe he can run a little bit, maybe that can help out our offense. But I don't know. I was just, whew, that quote was something else. Wow. Um, well, Stroud will certainly have a chance to redeem himself. Buckeyes have a big game this weekend against Purdue, uh, who have decided to colloquially name themselves the Spoiler Makers, which is actually kind of a cute name. Yeah, that that's that's nice. I appreciate that. They're scary though. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not gonna lie. Very I think nervous. We all are. We've we've seen what Purdue has managed to do. Obviously, most recently knocking off Michigan State. Um, yeah, they they certainly have that reputation as giant killers. Uh, but what's really interesting is just how bad Purdue is. Not bad, but as soon as Purdue gets ranked, they can't win a football game. Like they beat, uh, yeah. they beat Iowa, who was number two when they were unranked, and then they were ranked, and then they lost, um, and then they beat Michigan State as an unranked team. So we'll see. Hopefully, they make the college football playoff rankings, which come out tonight. Um, so Ohio State fair has a better shot on Saturday. Yeah, let's keep them ranked because unranked, they are very scary and. The quarterback receiver combo between Aiden O'Connell and David Bell, that's I think that's one of the best in the nation. They totally had a great game against Michigan State. I'm pretty sure O'Connell threw for like over 500 yards, which that's just wow in itself. And hopefully he doesn't have that type of game against us. But yeah, Purdue Purdue's a great team when they're ranked. So hopefully let's keep them that way. But yeah, it'll definitely be a good game. I'm. I thought it might be a pushover game, but the way they've been playing, definitely not. It's going to be a close one, I think. For sure. Um, and just for everyone's awareness, David Bell is actually the leading receiver in the Big Ten, uh, averaging 125.4 yards per game. Um, that is ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is averaging 105.3 yards per game. But of course, uh, you know, all of that we got to take with a grain of salt. David Bell is really Purdue's only big receiver. And Ohio State obviously has Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. But yeah, certainly going to be some of the best receivers in the Big Ten on the field on Saturday. Um, so it'll be exciting to watch what uh, their respective secondaries can manage with them. Yeah, it's yeah, it is going to be a matchup of the receivers. Uh, but I think we still have the upper hand again. We got three great receivers. They got one. So I think that'll be a little bit easier to manage on our defensive end. Hopefully I'm right about that. But again, I think we have the advantage in this one. For sure. Um, well, speaking of receivers, we have news from the NFL. Uh, one of the biggest stories of the week coming up to talk about, uh, but we're going to get to that after the break. So stay with us. Welcome back. Um, so big news out of Cleveland last week, huge dramatics um, with Odell Beckham Jr. Megan, I don't know if you were following this story or if it was just me being a Cleveland fan. No, this is huge. Hey, I'm not a Cleveland fan, but this is big news in the sports world. Uh, OBJ, no longer a Brown, 
And he went unclaimed on waivers, which I think might be the bigger story here. I mean, it's really interesting. Obviously, teams are not willing to pay for him um, or pay, I guess, a higher price for him. Um, But yeah, after last week, uh, just for some background, OBJ's dad posted on Instagram a lot of not very nice things about Baker Mayfield and how Mayfield was not targeting uh, his son enough and how that was the reason like OBJ was having kind of a rough season. Um, Yeah. I mean, the reality is having watched a lot of OBJ's games in the last couple of years, uh, he's dropped a lot of passes. And I think, you know, to your point of not being claimed off waivers, um, it certainly feels like a lot of teams are not believing that he has the juice you know, anymore. Um, and so, yeah, we're certainly going to see a lot in the coming days. I know there were rumors that he was going to get traded to the saints before the trade deadline. Um, we'll see if something like that comes to fruition. Um, but yeah, obviously I don't know if you saw, we had the battle of Ohio this past weekend. Um, and Cleveland's offense certainly seemed to be humming quite well without OBJ in the lineup. Oh, yeah. I watched that whole game, and I was pretty happy with it. I think the Jets broke the Bengals. Uh, They looked terrible, and the Browns played great. And the stats show that they're actually better without Odell. So, hey, that's something to think about. Baker played well. Obviously, the defense went off. I was super happy to see Denzel Ward. I mean, first opportunity the Bengals had to score, Denzel Ward with that 99-yard pick six. So love to see a former Buckeye doing well. But, yeah, I was honestly shocked how well Cle- Cleveland did. Uh, the so Bengals was I, just, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I thought it would be a pretty tight game. I thought the Bengals would win, but they just haven't been playing well the past two weeks. So I don't know if they can – like, I don't really know what the problem is. Like, they just totally look lost out there. So the Browns exposed all their weaknesses and got a huge win. Yeah. Um, And that brings us to our next point. Um, I'm really trying to make heads or tails of what's happening in the NFL and who is good and who is not good. Um, Mm -hmm. The Jags beat the Bills nine to six on Sunday. Uh, Josh Allen held without a touchdown. Also, Josh Allen sacked by Josh Allen and intercepted (laughs) by Josh Allen, uh, which was a really cute story as well. Um, But obviously, Josh Allen leading MVP candidate in the NFL um, held to one of the worst games of his career uh, against one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, so that was one. And then the Giants beating the Raiders, um, the Titans, who are a surprising seven and two, especially without Derrick Henry uh, dominating the Rams on uh, Sunday night. It's all like, I again, I don't know what to make of it. And I don't know who I can say is good anymore because it's just feels bananas. Yeah, I totally feel the same way. Like every week I'm like, oh, they're definitely winning the Super Bowl. They're definitely the best in their division. And then they go and lose like the Bills. Like first off, a 9-6 score. What is that? And then to the Jags out of all teams, like that was, that was probably the like biggest upset of the entire season so far, I think. And then Dallas going down, that was huge too. Again, Cincy going down, like – yeah, it's hard to tell who's good. I think – I don't know. I don't even know what to think. I think the Cardinals are probably the best team. They have still suffered a loss. But, 
I feel like there's just no one safe in the NFL, just like in college football, besides Georgia. Like football this year is just total madness and there's no one safe from a loss, I feel like. Oh, for sure. And, you know, one of the it's hard to say if this is a surprise because Kansas City has obviously been a disappointment this year. Uh, But Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers for reasons that we will discuss momentarily, uh, losing a bizarre game uh, to Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs um, in a game where the Chiefs offense really struggled and Green Bay's defense really kept them in it. But, you know, up to this point, Green Bay, uh, after dropping the opener um, against New Orleans, has really looked quite dominant. Um, But, of course, we had, you know, OBJ's drama is probably second behind this drama of the last week with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, this is just... It's very shocking news. Uh, first off, the fact that he tested positive and was going to be out against the Chiefs. That was just shocking in itself. But then obviously all the background behind it, the fact that he said he was immunized, he wasn't vaccinated, a lot of protocols may or may not have been broken, who's going to be held accountable, the league's investigation. It's a very interesting situation, and I'm curious to see how they handle it. Um, and how long he might be out. Could he possibly face a suspension? Like, it's a very interesting situation that I'm not sure anyone knows how to handle, really. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear his comments because last year he certainly did not shy away from taking on more of an activist role. Um, He sort of owned that even with, like, opposing like uh, other fellow quarterbacks uh, in the league, like Drew Brees, Um, he sort of directly took on on social media. Um, And then this year, you know, when he gets diagnosed with COVID, he makes these comments about being immunized. He gets caught kind of in his, uh, I'll call it a misdirection. It's probably just a lie. Um, And he goes on to cite Martin Luther King, like, and his Wait, defense. I did not hear about that. What? Oh, yeah. He tried to say, like, he was protesting an unjust law, just like Martin Luther King said, too. And it was like, Ooh. okay, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's no. not compare a virus protocol to the civil rights movement. Yeah. Like, that's one of these things good. is not like the other. Yeah, that's a bad look. Um, I know he's tried to explain himself, semi-apologized for misleading people. He obviously got misinformation from doctors in the offseason, too. So, oh, that's that's bad. But there's just a lot of misleading going on in this situation, whether it was intentional or not. Who knows? But... Man, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I wonder what the locker room's going to think about this. Will he, they still support him or not? What are the fans thinking? It'll be an interesting outcome for sure. For sure. Um, well, on this very depressing note, uh, we are going to, we're going to wrap up. Uh, but before we end the show, Megan, shall we do our shout outs? Yeah. So, Again, semi-depressing. 
I got to shout out the Jets' third-string quarterback, Josh Johnson. He did all he could against the Colts. I mean, that that would happen to the Jets, of course. I get a little bit excited about our backup quarterback, and then he gets injured and we have to go on to our third string. But, hey, I'll shout him out. He did his best. It's just it was bound to happen. It's just a Jets curse. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to also shout out um, backups in the NFL. Uh, I don't think we've talked about Brown's running back, Dearness Johnson, who had the game of his life a couple weeks ago when the Browns played Denver. Um, forgot to give him a shout out then. So giving him a shout out now. Uh, the big story of the night that Troy Aikman just really loved repeating over and over again <laughs> um, was how prior to joining the Browns, uh, Dearness Johnson was working on a fishing boat, fishing mahi-mahi. Uh, and then wow. he was writing direct, like, like Instagram messages to uh, Canadian football league teams, like asking for a tryout. Uh, and then he made it on the Browns and just had an incredible game. Um, and what's fun is uh, he's also as, uh, Kareem Hunt has continued to be out with a calf injury. He's continued to get carries behind Nick Chubb um, and has, you know, been having sustained success for the Browns. So it was cool. It's cool to not just see him have that one good game against the Broncos, but also be able to, you know, have this really cool story uh, that we can carry throughout the season. So kudos to Dearness Johnson. Yeah, I uh, love a good feel-good story like that one. And I saw that Chubb is uh, questionable for this upcoming game. So, hey, maybe he'll get even more plays this week. Who knows? Megan, we were trying to wrap up on a high note. <laughs> hey, that could be good. Give him, give him the starting job. Let him go off. Have a great game. Be optimistic about this. It worked once against Denver. I don't know if it'll work again, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Browns have a big game against the Patriots on Sunday. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, all right. That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.